Hey there, everybody, and welcome to Game of Your Life, a podcast about video games. This week, we got Mike Noble rejoining the, the podcast. Mike, welcome back. How are you? Hey, hey. Uh, thanks for having me. Always glad to be on. Yeah, it's going to be great. Also featuring your dog. What's your dog's name again? Maisie. Maisie the mini dash. Maisie may, may be a guest on the pod, too. Well, it depends on yeah, the barking, I guess. Yeah, exactly. She, she might be good. She might be, uh, you know, a little chaotic, but she's currently... Um, What's the word I'm looking for? Sitting in my... I'm, I'm holding her, so it should be fine, but we'll see. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Have you had that dog for a while? Uh, COVID pup. She's a year old. Oh, nice. Me and... Uh, it was kind of like the, the the staple of like okay maybe I'm in a serious relationship now that we have a dog. <laughs> yeah, Lulu and I were seriously considering a guinea pigs for a while because it was just like there you go lockdown but less. They aren't kidding when they say puppy like having a puppy is like kid training and I you know I'm not really super down with having kids so <laughs> I can't imagine this to the uh, to to a larger degree. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. Did you ever meet my cat when I was living in Vancouver? I, so I, I met, I never met Bronson through you because I would always hang out with like your neighbors because like you lived with like Zoe and stuff like that, right? Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah. he'd just so, be like, around the house. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He'd just be chilling. Yeah, man. Because I love that cat, but it was such a hassle. He was like ha- like a half outside cat. What's the word for that? Like feral and <laughs> just the stress of taking care of him all the time like he would come home with just injuries and then it would like drain my bank account and i'm like well i love this cat so i gotta pay for it but now that i'm sort of out of yeah. that i couldn't imagine getting like a serious pet anymore it would have to be like a rodent yeah. or like maybe a fish yeah the thing is like emily has a real job so it's like all that that aspect of it is like fine not saying that you and i don't have real jobs but like you know <laughs> we're fucking you know what we do. <laughs> yeah, I have I have time to walk a dog, probably. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so yeah, I wanted to thank you for jumping on the pod, because it was very last minute, but I found myself with COVID over here, so I've had to call off all my gigs, call off all my recordings, and luckily, you can't catch it over uh, Audacity, so I think you'll be fine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, thanks for having me. It's, it's always a pleasure. Yeah, good times, good times. Always, It's always a pleasure talking to you as well. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, it's been like a year, almost a year since the last one. We talked Kingdom Hearts 1, and yeah. usually I don't go too much into the game beforehand, but since this is such a big one, I figured like I'd just get into it a bit. And mm-hmm. last time we talked about our shared love of Disney, our shared love of JRPGs, but we'd also developed a shared love of Kingdom Hearts after the last one, so like... I, I remember the, the feel, if you will, when this was coming out. And do you remember, like, just the absolute hype you were feeling waiting for this game, Kingdom Hearts 2, to come out? Dude. Oh, dude. It was... It's unbelievable. And... Oh, sorry. One second. I, I'm going to come off the top of this podcast and just make a statement right now. Oh, wow. Here we go. Right okay. off the bat. Okay. Kingdom Hearts 2 is the best sequel of any video game. Wow. That is a huge statement. Well, okay, but, like, obviously there's, like, like don't get me wrong, there's, like, great sequels. But in terms of, like, what I mean by that, in terms of, like, like Kingdom Hearts 1 is obviously great. You know, like, we talked about it, you know, check out the last episode. It's a couple in the Game of Your Life archives. But it's a game that we both love. But Kingdom Hearts 2 is, like, one of the... I, I, I guess this is what I mean. So I can't think of another sequel that took everything that made fundamentally Kingdom Hearts 1 great and just took it to the 
billionth degree of how good it could be. Yeah. And I think that's what Kingdom Hearts 2 does to Kingdom Hearts 1. Like, there is nothing that Kingdom Hearts 1 does better than Kingdom Hearts 2. And Kingdom Hearts 1 is already an incredible game. But like, and if you think about like the the like you know what you would consider for like the best gaming sequels of all time, it's like there are some things where it's like oh well like you know in the original game they did this better. Like I don't think that's the case for any of Kingdom Hearts two. Yeah, that's a really good point because like so often game companies will try to reinvent it too much and they'll lose something mm-hmm. that was great. Like I think of everyone looks at New Vegas as superior to Fallout three because what I liked about Fallout three was how much more open the map was. And just how much yeah. more random it felt. And even the beginning, I think I preferred. So, like, you do lose something there. And you're right. I don't think in King- I don't think Kingdom Hearts 1 offered anything that you don't get in Kingdom Hearts 2. Other than maybe subjectively you like some levels more in the first or whatever. Yeah. Like, I, like, I think there's, like, a, like, but no one's being like, fuck, I miss the fucking Pinocchio whale. Or, like, you <laughs> yeah. know? But, like, and I think the other, the only other game that I could, like, off the top of my head that might go into that category is um, Gold and Silver versus Red and Blue. Oh, that's a really good one. I do prefer Gold and Silver. Yeah, yeah. So it's, like, I, I, I think that could be, like, the also one that's just, like, okay, maybe that's, like, the sequel that's, like, objectively better. But, like, even then, it's, like, you, you get the weirdos who are, like, 150 and, like, stuff like that. <laughs> but regardless. I was going to say, yeah, nostalgia might be the winning factor for Red and Blue. But, like, these games were close enough, unlike the third release. Like, the first and second were still close enough that I, they still hold that same nostalgic bubble for me. I was still in that yeah, sort totally. of, like, bright-eyed age where I can look back at things like that well and i i just wanted to get into like the hype a bit because this was yeah if we're talking about all timers i i think at this point in time i had never anticipated a game's release more and it was yeah. like it was at an age where we were teenagers we could actually like look up articles online about it and shit and i was like mm-hmm. constantly reading about it counting down the days and i remember it coincided with i believe it was like spring break or we'd had like a few weeks off school the day this was getting dropped so Fuck yeah. my dad <laughs> doing an ultimate like great dad move and like picked up the game for me while I was at school and then like picked me up from the school and he was literally like yeah. get in the car we're so going home to play. Yeah. Dude, I I remember the hype for this game so hard cuz like I was a subscriber to EGM like Electronic Gaming Monthly. Mm-hmm. Um and that's kind of how I that was my you know, I follow like 7,000 YouTube channels in my 30s these days, but like it was only EGM and Nintendo Power for me back then, and I guess the internet. But like, um, like as soon as they previewed Kingdom Hearts and stuff like that, I me- and I remember the big conversation leading up to the hype of the game was like, what worlds are there going to be? Like, like you know, you know, what Disney properties are they going to explore this time? <laughs> and like, and like when I was younger in my teenager in my teenage years, like my family went to Disneyland like twice and like it was still like I think one of the times like I can't I can't remember exactly when it lined up but like the Disney hype was definitely there for me as a teenager like I think I went when I was 14 and Kingdom Hearts 2 came out in what 06 so like I must have been like 15 or 16 so it was like pretty pretty like recent right Mm -hmm. and so like I remember me and my brother would always be like fuck like what's the you know what are the what are the worlds gonna be? You know, like like how are they gonna like reinterpret Disney properties and stuff like that? And I, and I also vividly remember one of the things that really stuck out to me because uh, obviously Kingdom Hearts is a Disney uh, square, and by square I really mean Final Fantasy, like a Disney Final Fantasy crossover. Mm-hmm. And I had just relatively recently finished playing Final Fantasy X, and I remember in the previews 
there was uh, where they had Oron going through the Hades underworld. And I was just like, this is going to be the best game ever made. <laughs> yeah, they would sprinkle in like almost like minor spoilers, but just enough to hook yeah. you, you know. And you're right. I can't mm-hmm. I can't think of games like that where because I don't know if we were directly told in the marketing. I wouldn't be surprised. But if they were like reach new Disney worlds, you would never imagine. But we knew like the second Kingdom Hearts 2 was announced, like there would be crazy levels. It was like sort of an unspoken thing. And, and you're right. Totally. It, and it was not only the hype of like, what's this whole game going to be like, but then what are like even the small aspects like that? It really built it up. Totally. And I remember the two, the, the one that they kept like completely under wraps and didn't tell anyone about. And it was a total surprise because I remember just being like, there's no fucking way was uh, the Tron level. Oh, right. Yeah. I thought you were going to say the Pirates because, uh, one, but. No, no. I think the Pirates one was actually part of the marketing, just because I like I, I don't think it was like pre-marketing, like like pre-game, but like I think once it dropped, it they really jacked up the Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah, it's a tough secret to keep under wraps. It's a tough secret. It's also like like the crossover mark, like it, that, and like that was in like the throes of like the movie hype too, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't even know if the so second one had come out yet. Like it was like right when this was going yeah, on. Yeah, and like. I remember, like, I worked in, I worked at the theater when Pirates 2 came out, and, like, I was just like, this is the biggest movie franchise in the fucking world. <laughs> like, it's crazy. Yeah. Um, well, but, yeah, well, hey, the, the other... Sorry, yeah, oh, sorry. I finished the thought you were going to, because I should queue us up for the game. I've sort of dived in <laughs> prematurely. Oh, dude, it, it, it's all good. Um, and I was, the, if we're going to talk about levels, I'll save it, but there was, like, another level that really took me by surprise that I was really cool about, and I'll, I'll leave that as a teaser for, uh, let's, before we get into the game. Well, you know what that means, Mike? This is the game of your life. Kingdom Hearts 2, an action RPG released in Japan December 2005, North America March 2006, developed and published by Square Enix in collaboration with Buena Vista Games for the PlayStation 2. It was the third game in the series, being developed concurrently with Chain of Memories. It received huge critical pays and often is cited in hindsight as the peak of this series, which I would definitely say this game was. Yeah. Um, I had no idea it was being made at the same time as Chain of Memories, and then I think they just like plunked chain of memories out like a year or two beforehand uh i think we briefly touched on it last time but i'd never played that before i'd played this i never played it either and like that's kind of the interesting thing about the kingdom hearts franchise as a whole because like there's three mainline games like there's one two and three obviously but there's just so many spin-offs all on handheld um that ca- that, that for lack of a better way they, they count mm-hmm. you know like like, like Kingdom Hearts 2 does a, a, an amazing job of recapping the events of Chain of Memory, so it's not like you need to play this and then, like, we'll, uh, you know, we'll, we'll uh, or, like, you'll be lost. But, like, the fact that, like, hey, like, you know, there isn't a sequel to Kingdom Hearts 1 that is available on Game Boy Advance, and it's, like, a weird deck-building card game. Yeah, well, and it, 
but it also significantly expands the universe. It introduces Organization 13, who will be pretty much the antagonist for the rest of this series. Like, well, actually, I feel Organization 13 is like a little misunderstood, but we'll, we'll get to that. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm just uh, making the point, though. It's like it was an important game, especially like a lot of the people who criticize the storyline. I feel like they treat those games like they don't matter. And I'm like, they yeah. introduce so much of the story that it's an already complicated story if you've played every game. But if you're missing these yeah. chunks, there'd be no way to even know what's going on without them. And that's actually a, a really interesting point. I think we're, we're kind of jumping all over the place, but I do want to get this point out there before it leaves my mind inevitably because I'm a very dumb person. Um, <laughs> but basically, Kingdom Hearts as a franchise gets a lot of shit for being having like the most convoluted storyline like in like potentially video game history. <laughs> it's right um, up there. It's right up there. But what what often gets missed on that narrative is that all that weird shit happens after two. Like it's like it's like all the weird spin-off games. And by weird I mean like they're all great games. Like, don't get me wrong, I'm not dunking on the games. But like it all happens between Kingdom Hearts two and Kingdom Hearts three. So mm-hmm. Yeah, you're totally you're, right about that. Yeah, so if you're if you if you're listening to this for the first time and being like, fuck, I want to get into Kingdom Hearts, but the storyline's too daunting, the reality is it doesn't get weird until after two. So like, as of this point, like, w- like we're popping the disc in Spring Break 2006. It's not a weird storyline. Like we can follow it pretty clearly. It's like between two and three where it actually gets jumbled a little bit. I, I would say the convolution starts at two and, and we will get into that. Like there are points of it. But before we get into that, I, I, had a, I had a statement to make and I don't know if you'll agree or disagree. But I, I think the opening video in Kingdom Hearts 2, as well as the opening song Sanctuary, is actually superior to the Kingdom Hearts 1. Yeah, so, I, <laughs> I first of all, I agree. I completely agree. I actually went, after I played Kingdom Hearts 3, because I begrudgingly played Kingdom Hearts 3, I, I, I famously called it at the time the worst game I've ever beaten. Um, and then and then Shenmue 3 came out a couple months later and that became the worst game I ever beaten but anyways 2019 was a really bad game for like number three in the sequels from games I loved in the 2000s but that's another story (laughs) um but uh but basically uh yeah sanctuary rule but I I went down like a music hole in terms of like you know seeing uh like checking out all of Hikaru Utada's uh stuff and whatnot and she actually did the ending theme song to the um the fourth evangelion movie which came out in 2021 but um i went back and listened to simple and clean and it's obviously a banger but like for for the first time listening to it in like a number of years it's like very 2003 you know yeah just kind of like it's like really quite like i had the same thing i'm like man i'm surprised how into this i was (laughs) listening yeah 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 uh, Sanctuary holds up. There's like that weird like whistle solo, for lack of a better way of saying it. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like it, I, I it, just remember when the when the beat drops and gets more intense as Sora's running up that staircase, killing shit. I'm oh, like, yeah. man, that was yeah. intense. And and you're also getting hit with these graphics like at a level you'd never seen before. Oh yeah. So like the characters had never looked so good. Like the fa- that's kind of it too. And it's like I don't know we're we're in like I can't even remember it's like eighth or ninth generation of consoles this year like whatever like I like I play I have a Series S which is crazy because like I have an Xbox now which is like fucked um, yeah I'm getting my Monster Energy tattoo pretty soon if you're as your follow up <laughs> question but yeah and like I remember just playing Kingdom Hearts two on PS two and I was like this is the peak of graphics you know like yeah I felt that so too smooth 
Much like FF10, which you'd brought up earlier, is the cutscenes were like another level. Like you were like, holy oh yeah, fuck. just like just unbelievable. Like, and but I also think that's like stylistic. Like I think when you're working with Disney properties, you definitely have like the license to like, um, you know, you can style it. Like you're not going for realism if you're animating fucking Winnie the Pooh. You know, <laughs> like, no, of course. So, like, you, you can get it. But yeah, like I agree with you on the original statement of uh, Sanctuary goes fucking hard. <laughs> Hell yeah. Uh, so getting into the story and characters a bit. And here's funny because when I bought this game, I had three friends come over and we were just good, we're all big fans of the game. And mm. we were planning on playing to the point we get to our first Disney level or whatever. And yeah. then you fire up this game. You get the best intro movie maybe ever at the time. Yeah. And then you begin the game as Roxas in an oh, area yeah. called Twilight Town with oh, your yeah. friends... Hainer, Pence, and Olette. And, and and you're thinking, hey, maybe this is like a 10-minute tutorial. Maybe I'm just like getting the intro for like a story that'll come later. No, yeah. you are strapped in for minimum three hours of yeah. this character you've no reference to. Like, yeah. no, none of, and none of the stories, none of, none of anything happening has any reference point at all other than you get to see a few Final Fantasy IX characters, which is pretty cool. Yeah, you get to see Vivi. And then uh, the guy from Final Fantasy IV, I believe, like the villain, Cypher or whatever. Not Cypher. Yeah. I can't remember that. You know who I mean. So where was your mind during this? Because I'm, I'm sure you're like me, where I'm, when I want to like a game, I will give it every benefit of the doubt I'm, I can give a game. But when I was okay. like, when I had three friends watching me play this, we're at hour three, we're sort of all yeah. thinking, like, what the fuck's going on right now? Okay, so... I will, I can I remember this vividly and I can tell you exactly where my head was at. So I don't know if you remember 2006, but one of the biggest stories in gaming at the time in my opinion or like not it was a couple of years before but it was like still fresh in everyone's mind mm-hmm. was in Metal Gear Solid 2 when you the the big reveal is that you're not Snake. Right. I know I never played the Metal Gears Oh, yeah, yeah. So, like, all of the Metal Gear Solid 2 preview stuff is, like, you know, Solid Snake doing Solid Snake shit. But, and it wasn't revealed until the game actually dropped that, like, you're only Snake for, like, a little bit. And you actually just, like, are riding the whole time. Wow, what a bait and switch. It was a huge bait and switch. And so, when I'm playing Kingdom Hearts 2, and I start off as this fucking blonde fuck named Roxas, Mm. I'm just, like... Are they Metal Gear Solid 2-ing us? Like, is this like a bait and switch? That's what my next question was going to be, was did you think we were getting Sora as the protagonist? Yeah, I mean, like, like I had previewed enough of it to know that, like, there's at least some parts that have Sora in it. But, like, and I, I was intrigued, and, like, I'm assuming we're going to be talking, like, spoilers and stuff like that, but, like, the Roxas reveal and, like, the naming convention, like, completely flew under the radar for me as well. Like, I thought that was, like, really, really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the time it's like, it was really interesting. I did think it dragged on a bit too long, but I actually, like at, at, when I first started playing it, I thought it dragged on a bit too long. I should say I, I played, um, the remaster in preparation for kingdom hearts three, a couple years back. Yeah. And it's actually a bit better paced than you remember it. Mm, I did that over lockdown. And yeah, if you're planning on ripping through it, especially if you cut through the cutscenes, it's not torture, but. Well, for yeah. the first game run through, I remember this being like uh, worrisome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, t- no, definitely. My, 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 because like Hainer, Pence, and Olette, just these like fucking bum characters that like you've never met before. But I think they're I from remember- the world ends with you, by the way. 
they're not from the world ends with you. They're 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 original characters, but like all of their gear, like their outfits, are references to like weird square titles. Like, okay. like I remember, I think it's either Hayner or Pence. He's wearing like a basketball jersey, and like the name on the basketball jersey is like this gang from the Bouncer and stuff like that. Like it's all it's all bizarre. But I remember because like I like in Kingdom Hearts two, they don't really revisit those three characters. No. Um, a whole lot, but then they show up in Kingdom Hearts three, and like I was like, this is my favorite part of the game, like seeing the, the seeing the gang again. <laughs> it was it was pretty so, cute. So I'm gonna just explain a bit here because I don't think I could successfully explain the story and while revealing the big turns and stuff. Yeah. So yeah. Bas- basically, in Kingdom Hearts one, you find out that if someone's made heartless, uh, that like, or when someone's heart is taken away, they're turned into a heartless, or that a heartless is created essentially when that happens. Yeah, yeah. In this game, with the whole, the whole big swerve at the end essentially is that Roxas, who you play at the beginning, is Sora's nobody, which yeah. is also created when you take someone's heart away. So basically, yeah. the the big thing about Kingdom Hearts two is introducing the nobodies to the game, which are these weird yeah. sort of like how do you even describe them? Almost like I, I don't like know, like silky ghosts. So yes. yeah. So yeah. It, it, it it's so basically the gist of it, it, it in my like quick layman speaking terms is that when a heartless is created, um, it's also like they kind of they they kind of describe it as like so you take someone's heart, um, and that becomes the heartless. But because the the heart's been removed, uh, there's also this like husk of a body left over. And, like, despite being called no body, it's actually, like, the body of the person whose heartless was made or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so, basically, like, they become these, like, weird... Like, so heartless is, like, they're defined because they're all, like, dark and they have this symbol. Nobodies have this other symbol, but they're also, like, kind of, like, silvery in, like, color. Um, yeah. But, the, like, the, the, this is where, like, my plot lines get crossed. But there was, like, some explanation where if like someone's heart was so strong then nobody would like re- retain a human form and kind of like look like um the person who the heartless was so that's what organization 13 is uh just a bunch of nobodies uh literally uh and like their names are like an anagram of the original person but with like an x put in there somewhere so roxas sora etc mm-hmm. um and and so that's kind of like the nobody thing. But what's cool about that with me is that it's like it's when Sora became a heartless in Kingdom Hearts one. That's when Roxas was created, kind of thing. Like there's an actual pinpoint, like you played this moment in the last game, sort of thing, which yeah. I thought was pretty sweet. I yeah, enjoy that and too. Like, and if uh, if you're listening and going, wow, that's a complicated explanation. It's probably the easiest concept to grasp in the Kingdom Hearts universe for, yeah. all, for all things we, considered. We are just getting started. Yeah. <laughs> if, if you want to ramp up the complication, you find out that Diz is this mysterious guy who's sort of pulling all the strings, a puppet master type. And none yeah. of this in, none of this tutorial is actually happening in the real world. It's all this augmented yeah. reality that Diz has created in yeah. the efforts of reuniting Roxas with Sora, who Sora yeah. is dormant he puts himself in this pod to try regain all his memories at the end of chain of memories so he's still there and after about three hours of this storyline which all of this is not really explained during this you sort of get it throughout the game (laughs) but you're just sort of killing heartless and it is fun because there's things happening like when roxas meets the first nobody all of a sudden the keyblade is like magically appears in his hand 
Mm-hmm. And it took me so long to realize, like, oh, Diz is just it gave him that, as opposed to yeah, like yeah, yeah. Yeah, the yeah. game. It's just a game being a video game. But mm-hmm. when you finally do have that reveal, uh, literally as Sora's waking up, he can sort of see Roxas saying goodbye, and then he rubs his eyes a bit, and Donald and Goofy are right there waiting for him. That to Boys. me is is when this game truly kicked off. Yeah, like it, it's it's a good. I always love it when games do like for lack of a better way of saying it, like narrative tutorials where it's like, like obviously the rocks, Roxas session or section. Wow. That's a tongue twister that I didn't know. <laughs> the rocks, the Roxas section was really um, like, like, like we discussed, like it did go on for quite a bit, but it is effectively the tutorial. Like all the stuff you do when you're wandering around twilight town or whatever, like all tutorial shit. And it's also, like, a very important narrative part. So as opposed to, like, I don't know, I just played Halo Infinite and the tutorial's like, hey, look up, kind of thing. you know? Yeah, like, totally. I agree with that. Um, yeah. And, but it's great, because Roxas, he's, like, can't, doesn't even have the full range of motion Sora does. So when you become Sora, it's just a lot fun, more fun to play as him. Totally. Roxas kind of plays, like, Kingdom Hearts 1 Sora. Yeah, completely. And you get on a train and you head to Yen Sid's castle, and this is when the Disney like this was the big, the first reveal of a Disney villain with Pete knocking at the door for some reason. He's looking for Malice, Maleficent, who, as far as you know, was dead at the end of Kingdom Hearts One. Uh, scale the tower. You meet Yen Sid. Who do you remember? What Yen Sid's from, by the way, originally? Uh, Fantasia. I know he, his name is Disney backwards. Oh shit! I didn't know that. Yeah, <laughs> that's hilarious. Uh, yeah. But yeah, he's the old curmudgeon that's like telling Mickey to sweep up the castle. Uh, yeah, yeah, Mickey yeah. Creates the broomstick warriors, but he basically d- explains nobody's an organization thirteen to you here. So mm-hmm. that's sort of you fill in. Uh, from there, you head to Hollow Bastion. Which were you yeah. surprised that you were heading here first as sort of like a hub? Absolutely, Radiant Gardens, as it's now known as. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, uh, I, I was quite surprised because it's obviously like the final dungeon of the first game. And now they're just like, actually, we've uh, colonized it. <laughs> you know, like it's, <laughs> Yeah, so you meet all your old friends, uh, Leon, Aerith, and Merlin. They're all chilling. And basically, yeah, they tell you they're restoring it to its former glory. But it's nice because you, you get that Hollow Bastion music. It does look similar. Totally. And uh, all, all the nostalgia alerts were going off when you get here. Exactly. Um, so yeah, this this is where the game sort of opens up, if you will. Um, you can start going to all these new worlds. Uh, the first ones, and, and it's funny because the game itself, I never realized this until recently, but it really is about the narratives of organization and the, the heartless and stuff. And these Disney levels, although they are probably the best part of the game, they're sort of like side stories that are going on. And instead of I heartless fu- fucking with the people there, it's now the nobodies that are fucking with the people there. But yeah. it's more up to you to, like, solve the problems going on there and then go back to, like, after three or four worlds, you go back to Hollow Bastion and get some big story narrative or whatever. Yeah, and I, I think that's, like, kind of the gameplay loop, which is good. And, like, I remember the first the first world in, um, in, in Kingdom Hearts 2 was Mulan. And mm-hmm. that was kind of, like, the big reveal of just, like, you know, like, we're, like, more modern. Like, not modern, because obviously Mulan's late 90s. But, like... It was kind of like, I, I feel like in Kingdom Hearts 1, they kind of went with, like, the classics, for lack of a better way of saying it. Like, I, like, I guess the most modern movie of that in Kingdom Hearts Tarzan. was Tarzan. But even then, yeah. Tarzan's, like, a pretty 
like it's based on like a story from the 50s kind of thing right whereas totally. Mulan, I f- Mulan felt like a bit more like modern and like you know a close one right I was gonna say we can't we can't go through these in huge detail but if you wanted to give some quick passing thoughts on the levels you go through so the like yeah. the Mulan one I thought like just the the settings were so good based on like you go to the mountains or this town or yeah there was so much going on what I said in the intro, the one that really took me by surprise that I fucking loved and like, like adore that they made this a level was uh, Steamboat Willie. Oh, yeah. So that's, yeah, I have the first four here and that was one of them. But it yeah, starts yeah. with you going to the Disney castle, which again is like a trip because in Kingdom Hearts 1, this is where Donald and Goofy come from. So yeah. you've seen you've seen this area before in cutscenes and shit like that. And it was never even suggested that you might go there. So yeah, seeing yeah. it as a level felt big. And then yeah. once you get through, you realize, like, there's this portal underground, and it sends you back to, like, the 40s or whatever. Yeah, like, and, the old school. So you, you basically play through, um, like, a lot of, like, the first Disney cartoons. Like, there's, like, the one where, like, the building's on fire. I can't remember the names of them. But, like, mm-hmm. uh, like looping back to, like, you know, going to Disneyland a lot as a kid. Like, they really talk up their Disney history. They also kept that thing from, in Kingdom Hearts 1, where they, you go to the halloween town and it changes your appearance this one is like that again like you said it's everything in this game is amped up to the nth degree where they completely like sora donald and goofy are like 40s versions of themselves it looks incredible not only their 40s version so it's all in black and white but every costume that that sora donald and goofy have are from their first ever appearances in any media. So, like, Goofy's wearing his outfit from the first time Goofy appeared. Donald's wearing his outfit from the first time Donald appeared. And Sora's wearing his Kingdom One art, uh, Kingdom Hearts 1 outfit, which I think is, like, such a cool touch. Yeah, it's great. Uh, the other levels here were Beast Castle, which I'm a diehard Beauty and the Beast fan, so I thought that was sick. And also because Beast is, like, a, a character you know, sort of. But yeah, it's yeah. funny because it works for his character that he'd sort of be tempted by or like the dark side or whatever he's always totally. like an erotic fuck and uh man. then a, we covered it a bit earlier but olympus talk about just taking a concept and going with it they they turn this into a whole fleshed out level whereas in the first one it was literally just the coliseum yeah yeah and i, I and i think that's like pretty uh, like i think i think the hercules level is like pretty like it's obviously great like it's like the the it's the underworld where it's the coliseum is just like the, the regular olympus world right um and then Olympus did come back from Kingdom Hearts three, and it was like it was the, it was the first level in Kingdom Hearts three, but it was like all right, I guess, and like it was before the the, the grimness of Kingdom Hearts three set in. But like I I loved it, like <laughs> going back to going back to what we said earlier, like with Oron in the underworld, which like also like I guess Final Fantasy ten spoilers, but like Oron being in the underworld of Hades, it like also like plays it's into sick. his storyline in kingdom hearts te- or in kingdom hearts 10 final fantasy 10 like of course he's there you know kind of thing i don't know it, it's just sick as fuck it's great you also have james wood reprising his role here as hades which is fucking yeah. awesome got some bills to pay i love that they get actual like wherever they can they'll get the original actors from disney uh, they do totally. it all throughout this game um totally. but yeah that's so the whole time you're sort of fixing shit up here like i was saying uh, then you end up back at Hollow Bastion for a visit, and you find Ansem's secret laboratory. Uh, mm-hmm. And this is where Mickey reveals to you that the Ansem you fought in Kingdom Hearts 1, he was the game's final boss, was mm-hmm. actually just the Heartless for this guy Ansem the Wise, who sort of yeah. was a, was an original researcher of Heartless and Nobodies and like discovered a lot of the information you know. 
And then you find out Xehanort, the leader of the Organization 13, is Ansem the Wise's nobody. So if you're keeping yeah. up here, Ansem the yeah. Wise is basically the fulcrum of all of this and is through his heart being stolen has created like the main antagonist for the first two games. Do you want to know okay, you know how you know how we talked about like so nobody's names are a anagram with an X put in? Yeah. Do you know do you know what Zehanort is an anagram of? It's no. so on the nose. Tell me, I, I need to know. No heart. Oh Jesus. <laughs> wow. That is on the nose, I guess. Yeah. That is really pretty, funny. Pretty goofy. But yeah, yeah. So it was it was a it was a good twist on it. And like I, I really I really did like Whoa, that's my dog going crazy. Hello, Maisie, guesting on the show. Maisie um, hates that name, Xehanort. Yeah, yeah, it just really doesn't like Xehanort. But but it's 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 uh it, it's that it's kind of like where the Kingdom Hearts like mucking up the storyline kind of gets started, but also at the same time, it's like it adds a nice bit of lore because I also thought I also think the like the Ansem reveal from Kingdom Hearts one like I don't want to say came out of nowhere, but like it gives more context to it because I think you just kind of like in Kingdom Hearts one there's like a couple plot twists and it revealed this big bad, but also like it didn't give you context for who he was as a person or whatever. And I think this really fleshed it out a bit more. And obviously like looping back into Diz and stuff like that as well, which I'm sure. Yeah, totally. Um, But yeah, so you figure out all that. And then this is where basically like the, I don't want to say the full climax of the game, but like one of the biggest peaks in the series almost is, you end up fighting one of the organization members. I, I'm not going to remember these guys' names to begin with, but the guy who yeah. was um, summoning, like, water monsters or whatever. Yeah, blue hair, and then you get to feel, kill, like, yeah. Like, everyone remembers this battle if you're a Kingdom Hearts fan. Yeah, and the Heartless are, like, at the gates. Everyone's attacking at once, and right as you kill this guy, a cutscene happens where a big, like, rock or chunk of ice falls off the top and just smokes Goofy in the dome. And... <laughs> For all intents and purposes, the game is played up like Goofy dies here. Yeah, they they kill Goofy. Yeah, and like I remember playing this for the first time, like holy fuck, are they actually killing off like Goofy? Yeah. And it's but weird because like, Goofy, obviously, he's such an easy character to mock, and he's so dumb. <laughs> it's in the name, but then you don't realize like how attached you are to this character until not only do you think he dies, but then you see Mickey's reaction to him dying, and it's like, and like oh. Donald Duck is just like fucking like Wah! but like it's like they like, see and, red yeah yeah <laughs> and like for for context as well like this is after like i can't remember how many it is but it's like a thousand heartless battle and like it legitimately no, just this, makes you do it this leads up to the thousand heartless oh, it battle leads up to it like hey sorry my wires are getting crossed it's been a minute but yeah so it's like it, it an absolute like I, I think the developers were probably just, like, chuckling to themselves, being like, how many people can we make cry from fucking Donald and Goofy? Like, obviously, <laughs> Goofy survives, but, like, they, they, they play it up as, like, we just killed Goofy. <laughs> yeah, and seeing Mickey run off, like, with no plan just towards this horde of Heartless as, as a result, it really, like, hammers home. You're like, oh, man, these are the OG Disney characters, and yeah, they love each yeah, other. Like, this is huge. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So that does lead to, like, one of the best moments in any game, for my money, is the Thousand Heartless Battle, where you, Donald, and Goofy eventually, once you beat, I think you beat a boss or something, he reunites with you right at the end of this. Yeah, yeah, that that checks out. It's about, like, 10 to 15 minutes minimum of you just button mashing, destroying all the Heartless around, 
literally 1,000 of them. There's like a, a marker in the corner that tells you when it's going down. It's one of those things where it's just like, they're not going to make me fight a 1,000. And then like, you're just playing it and they count. And it's like, fuck, they're going to make me fight a 1,000. Yeah. And it all leads to this big reveal where Xehanort afterwards comes and talks to you and reveals that Kingdom Hearts is basically this big thing and this big heart-shaped moon in the sky. And the, the nobody's whole goal is they're using the Heartless, killing as many Heartless as possible to fuel Kingdom Hearts, which they will then take control of to make themselves real people again. So that's sort of like their mission statement revealed to you. So basically, they've just set you up with a thousand Heartless just to feed their big machine. You realize that you've just been helping them. Yeah, yeah. Then basically he's like, well, we can kill you now that you've done our, our work. And of all people, Maleficent shows up. Yeah. And saves the day. Like, basically transports you away and says, like, I'll take these nobodies out. Like, you get yeah. out of here for now. It's like a yeah. weird, the the enemy of my enemy is my friend moment. It, it, yeah, it, and it, it, it's so, like, I think one of the biggest things with Kingdom Hearts as a series and, like, the convolution that gets uh, thrown around with it is that it's kind of like, there's a lot of moments like this where it's like, you know, like plot twists and reveals and turns and like alliances, but also like as someone who grew up watching like long form anime and playing a ton of JRPGs, like this shit is so compelling to me. And like that's completely what it's just like nailed. That's what I, I think people who didn't grow up with JRPGs or anime or stuff like that don't realize is like people that love that shit are aware when it's convoluted and stupid. But the yeah. good, if the good can outweigh the bad, then I'm still a fan of it. And like oh, this absolutely. scene, this scene alone, the drama that it makes you feel is like worth uh, twelve shitty organization cutscenes that don't really make yeah, sense. Yeah, it's like it's like a two-hour, like it's all like a, probably not two hours, but it's like at least an hour of like intense just shit going down that starts with teasing that they killed Goofy. Like, <laughs> it's like crazy. Yeah, um, so that sort of leads you back to going back out to check out new worlds and levels. Um, mm. Another, we, we talked the Pirates one a bit, but I was really shocked to see, like, you know, it's fucking Orlando Bloom and Johnny Depp. <laughs> like, Yeah, straight up their likeness was used. Like, like I just think it's so funny that, like, like, the Avengers games can't even get their likeness for, like, like when they do, <laughs> like, that, those things. But then, like, Sora's just chilling with Johnny Depp. Yeah, it's so funny. Um, and then there's the... Sorry. I was going to say, the people they got to, like, impersonate them weren't, like, terrible either. They're not winning any Oscars for them, but, like, I was just like, yeah, like, you know, if I close my eyes and think hard enough, that sounds like Johnny Depp. And this one, this one level had enemies that no other level in the game has, where you're fighting pirates, but they're completely invincible in the shadows. But because they've got the curse from the movie, if they walk into the light, their skeleton forms revealed and you can kill them. I, I thought that was a really nice touch. Yeah, I, I think it had something to do with them not wanting to, like, kill actual humans. But, like, if they're skeletons, they're not humans, you know? But, like, if right. they're, like, in the human form. <laughs> that makes sense. It's, like, it, it's really cool, because it's, like... And I and I think that's, like, all, always the interesting thing about, like, every world in, like, throughout all Kingdom Hearts games, is that you have some worlds that just, like, straight up follow the movie plot, and some worlds that kind of, like, adapt it. Or some yeah, worlds totally. that might come across as a sequel. Because, like, one of my favorite worlds in Kingdom Hearts 2 is the Lion King world. And, like, that's an own original story, if I recall. Yeah, totally. Yeah, because it's, like, you can't, like, you know, you're not, like, dealing with Simba going through Mufasa's death in Kingdom Hearts 2, right? <laughs> like, it, it's... It, it, and, like... But, like, there are there are some levels... on Hilariously, none that I can think of off the top of my head. 
that are just well pirates like, sort of was pir- like that pirates is actually yeah yeah where, where it's like this is just straight up the movie i'll cover another great one uh the nightmare before christmas Here, yeah. here's what i love because there's the aladdin level here and the nightmare before christmas one and yeah. i think the aladdin one failed to differentiate itself from the first in the way that like the nightmare before christmas did because yeah. in Aladdin, it's just like, oh, the same bizarre, but everything looks different for some reason. And like, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm going in the Cave of Wonders again, but it looks different from the first game. Like, why would it? It doesn't really make yeah, sense. Yeah. Whereas in yeah. Nightmare Before Christmas, it's like everything look, all the Halloween Town stuff looks the same. But then you can go yeah, to the Christmas, Christmas Town because yeah. like the story has progressed in this world. Like things are going yeah. on after you left. And yeah. so that that was like excellent to me. And it, it looks completely different from the Halloween version. It's a really cool level. Yeah, yeah, and I, and I think Nightmare Before Christmas is, like, the shining example of, like, how they would do this. I, I think the Hercules world and Nightmare Before Christmas, like, really followed up well. Just because of, like, and I think I, you still get access to the Colosseum, I believe. Uh, well, it's, the Colosseum gets destroyed in the Hydra battle, but you can do right. tournaments downstairs in the, yeah, yeah. with pain and panic. I remember there being a tournament element. I can't remember if it was in the actual Coliseum or not. But either way, like the the follow up ones did do well. I do agree with you on the Aladdin one though. It was kind of lackluster. Yeah, totally. Nothing and I mean, then there's also the Little Mermaid one, which is a complete like skip. If I'm ever playing this game. Yeah, like they turned that into a rhythm game. So I mean, like yeah. like I think there's something to be said for it being like okay, like if someone was just like it's a nice change of pace, I'd be like okay, I'll I'll hear that out. But at the end of the day, it's just like he could have just not included this, but whatever. Yeah, uh, you covered the Lion King one, but the last one we'd mentioned off the top was the Tron level. Um, oh, dude. This, I, I'd never seen Tron at this point, but obviously, like, everyone sort of knows a bit what it looks like through the bikes and stuff like that. Yeah. And just, man, as far as, like, the character model change, uh, just how this world looks, like, the music, it's one of the mm-hmm. coolest levels in the whole series. Oh, yeah. They, they went hard on it, and, like, it's also, like... I think the thing about Tron specifically and the way the reason it was so surprising to be in it is that it's like it's ultimately like a cult classic, you know, like they had one movie from the 80s and like they're not, you know, like when you think of Disney properties, Tron is like not at the top of the list. So because of that, it was like really special. And like, you know, like the developers were just like, we want to put something in for like the diehards or something that's like a bit off the beaten path. Totally. But on top of that, it's like, even if you've never seen the movie, it's cool enough to like, you don't need to have seen it either. Oh, yeah. It's sick as hell. Like, it, it, yeah. it's like, I just remember like the, the biking, the biking sections and stuff like that. Like, oh, just so good. Um, so after this, and by the way, like, uh, we are skipping over a lot, obviously, for time, but like, every yeah, level awesome. in this game, you, you beat, you beat it once, and then you have to come back a second time. And every mm-hmm. single level has like a second conflict with a second big boss battle. I don't think they were all necessary, for instance, but it, it was, like, a lot of content. It, like, I don't know, they're all fun, so. I remember the first, like, if I recall, like, this is off the top of my head, but the first time you go through is kind of, like, an internal conflict in the world. Like, a lot of them have to do with, like, the movie plot. So the first time you go through Pirates, you have to take out Jeffrey Rush, essentially. Um, <laughs> and then... Um, and then the second time you go through, it's more integrated in the Kingdom Hearts universe. Like, as I remember, like, because organi- I... I Zigbar, I think his name was. Uh, I can't remember, but you you fight the guy that or like like organi- organization thirteen kind of like does shit in all the worlds. So like the dude with the cards, I remember fighting him with Johnny Depp, kind of thing. 
uh, yeah. which obviously was not in the virus movie. No, you're right. A lot of the second time you go back to these worlds, it's just fighting an organization member. And even in some cases, you kill them. Like, I think, I don't yeah. know if you kill Zigbar, but you kill one of them. Yeah, yeah, you definitely do. And they get replaced. And that's like a, that's a storyline in one of like the handheld games like that, mm-hmm. that features. Yeah. So as we get into the end game here, and before we do, by the way, one thing I forgot to mention is the the gummy ship. This whole time, oh, yeah. uh, we we talked about the controversies of the gummy ship in the last episode. Uh, they clearly, instead of dropping it all together, they doubled down and tried to make this a way better thing. And yeah. it look, I guess it looked cooler, but it still isn't at all why I'm playing this game. No, and like like it's it kind of lives in the same world as like the Little Mermaid rhythm game for me, where it's just like. Like, I get it. I get why it's there. Like, I get why they're doing it. Like, it's, you know, all of us love Star Fox. I mean, you didn't love Star Fox. We've argued about that before. <laughs> but um, yeah. it just, like, it doesn't need to be... It, it just, it doesn't really serve a purpose other than a palate cleanser. But it's also, like, it's a bit too involved to be, like, a full-on palate cleanser. So it's kind of, it lives in that weird world of, like, why? You know? Yeah, <laughs> R- RP- RPGs do this all the time. I was just going through the Mass Effect trilogy, not to get on too much of a tangent. Yeah, I'm yeah. like, so many of the mini games in this with unlocking doors or scanning planets, I'm like, who is this for? Like, why are we doing this? And Gummy Ship falls into that. I'm like, I'm not playing an aircraft game. I'm playing a, a Disney-related JRPG. I don't need this. But in the same in the same breath, they upgraded the Gummy Ship to, like to the same level of quality as like they upgraded the rest of the game. Like it's, it's like, it's, it's a better gummy ship like that. No one's, no one's arguing that, but like, totally. it's also just like, why is this here? Like, that's like yeah. the ultimate question. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, so as we get towards the end game here, you end up back in twilight town and you mm-hmm. find uh Diz's original, like basically his computer room, I guess, where he was creating yeah. all these false realities and shit. And you open a portal to try go to the fake reality, and it puts you in this weird like middle middle ground uh, where you're attacked by nobodies, and it looks like you're gonna lose. When Axel, who is Roxas's friend from the beginning, he's an Organization yeah. Thirteen member, but you can tell he's sort of like he's playing both sides. He wants to be friends with Roxas, but he also wants to be in the organization. And he eventually decides in in death here. To help Sora, tell Sora where Kyrie is. Yeah. And the reason he gives you is that you remind him so much of Roxas and he just wanted to see his friend. And it's sort of like a, you, you didn't really know where this guy aligned in the whole game up until this moment. Axel's like a, a fan favorite for sure. I, I think he, they somehow retcon his death somehow. Like he was in Kingdom Hearts 3, wasn't he? I forget. He I don't yeah, even I think I beat that game. Oh man, I I highly recommend not beating it. It was a, it was torture, but um, yeah, Axel is a huge fan favorite. Just wanted like a really good emotional beat for it as well. Just like you know, like coming like not too far removed from Goofy's T's death, uh, mm-hmm. you get this Axel moment, and it's like it really loops it in because like one of the biggest things about the Roxas intro was just like, for lack of like a better way of saying it, like just how chill of a likable dude he was. And it's, like, you can see how someone like Roxas has, like, a really good companion like Axel and, like, how he, like, misses them. And the fact that, like, you know, Roxas is Sora sort of thing and it's just, like, Axel being, like, fuck, I just missed my pal. It's, like, it, it really gets you. And, like, the yeah. intensity of the scene as well. Yeah, completely. And it sends you to the world that never was. Yeah, uh, which is such a I've... classic Kingdom Hearts world name. 
yeah, it's so cool. It's much cooler than the final level of Kingdom Hearts One. I if just yeah. to beat that drum one more time, but yeah, yeah, it like it looks like a cityscape, but it's just dark and like, yeah, it's very very cool level. Uh, you was, eventually, sorry, I was gonna say there was like an unlockable cutscene in Kingdom Hearts One that takes place in the world that never was. Oh yeah, if you do a hundred percent of everything in Kingdom Hearts One, you get to watch it. Is that the battle that happens here, by the way? I think I th- so. I think so. Yeah, so Sora's battling a guy in a cloak, and it's that battle you'll remember seeing from that video where you're, like, running up. There's one big skyscraper in the middle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And both of you, like, run up it, basically attacking each other. It's very epic, very JRPG-ish. Yeah, super JRPG. And this is where you find Riku. Uh, Riku eventually reveals that it was Diz who originally hired him to kidnap Roxas. Uh, yeah. So all this was going off off screen, and he wanted you to kidnap Roxas and put him in this reality so he could reunite you with Sora. Mm-hmm. Just, I think I've got that all right. <laughs> I think that's that sounds correct. The story gets very muddy here. Yeah. Um, and then you end up, I guess, I think the, the final level is still in the world that never was. I forget if it gets a different name, but it's yeah. basically like this giant nobody spaceship, you could call it. Yeah. Um, and it all, it looks very cool, but like... This is final dungeon shit. Like, all the levels are the hardest in the whole game. Uh, constant boss battles, constant shit like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, eventually, Mickey encounters Diz, and who. This is the reveal where the first time I saw it, I was like, what is going on? <laughs> where Diz takes off his mask and reveals himself to be Ansem the Wise. Yeah. Uh, in a huge swerve. But I'm like, I yeah. didn't I didn't understand this. I was like, how how is this guy even still alive if he's heartless and nobody are running around? Yeah. Did do you do you remember how they clarified that? No, no, fill me in. So Ansem the Heartless slash Xehanort slash Xemnas, who's the final boss of this game, not to get too far ahead. But mm-hmm. um he was originally Ansem the Wise's apprentice. So he, like, did some shit that, like, put Ansem the Wise, like, into hiding, and then he just, like, assumed his identity. So, like, all those Ansem reports that you're seeing in Kingdom Hearts 1 and shit like that are um, actually from Ansem's apprentice, Uh, whereas Ansem the Wise, a.k.a. Diz, is actually a good guy. I forgot to mention this, too. Continuing with that convolution, Riku, when you meet him, looks exactly like Ansem from the first Kingdom Hearts. Yeah. And, and you've been told that his body transformed in some such manner. I forget exactly how. Yeah. It's it's all like it's all wild. <laughs> it's it's like I was going to say I only bring it up because this this whole level leads to this big conclusion where Ansem has this Ansem the Wise has this beam that he's going to fire at Kingdom Hearts uh, in yeah. order to destroy it, but it turns out the beam wasn't powerful enough. It creates this weird event where Ansem the Wise disappears and Riku is turned back into his normal self. So for the mm-hmm. first time in the game, you see Riku and Kairi and Sora reunited. Yeah. Um, yeah, up in this weird planetary thing. And that all does lead to the final boss battle. It's an epic, like, hour and a half, three or four part massive boss battle against Xemnas. Yeah, who is the... All right, who... Okay, ready for this? <laughs> Xemnas. Xemnas is the nobody of... Ansem the Wise's apprentice is heartless. Yes. Because Xehanort is a heartless, but there's also Xemnas. It's all so fucking... So, actually, Xehanort is the real person. 
So mm-hmm. Xehanort is the actual human being that is Ansem the Wise's apprentice, but the first boss of Ansem in Kingdom Hearts 1 is Xehanort's Heartless, and Xemnas is Xehanort's Nobodies. But right. Xehanort also exists. Right, for some reason. Yeah, because for some reason, An- in Ansem's research, I think, Xehanort was created. So, yeah. a- as we said, we've played this, I've probably played this game through at least six or seven times, completely. Mm-hmm. And also took notes for this. Yeah. And even with you, someone who's played it probably an equal amount of time, we <laughs> get confused and muddled just trying to get to what happened in this story. Yeah, and it only gets, like, crazier. Like, the, like honestly, like, if, if you... You being, like, you, Jordan, or you, the listener. Like, if you have, like, a day off, there's, like, honestly some incredible Kingdom Hearts storyline timelines mm-hmm. that are just, I watched, like... I watched one of those uh, on the lead-up yeah. to this. They're honestly sweet. Like, I, I love I love lore, and I love complicated lore, and, like, all the people who shit on Kingdom Hearts for their lore have, like, every leg to stand on, but, like, I love that they're trying to piece it together, you know? Like, like I kind of love how chaotic it is. Totally. Um, it's like, I don't know if this ever happens to you, but you ever watch a super complicated movie and you don't yeah, understand yeah, yeah. it, so then you'll read the plot afterwards on Wikipedia, and yeah. you're like, oh, like, oh, that's what was going on. Yeah, like, no one's understanding Kingdom Hearts' story. Like, Kingdom Hearts 1 is pretty straightforward, honestly, but no, no one's understanding, like, Chain of Memories to Kingdom Hearts 3 storylines on the first go, you know? Like, mm-hmm. it's very, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of context needed, but it's all, it's also, like, kind of rewarding at the same time, I would say. Yeah, I would say I almost always understand at least half of what's going on. And then the yeah, other half, like you, I'm like, yeah, all right. You kind of understand in the moment. And there's, like, a lot of deus ex machina where they kind of, like, shit happens and then they explain it afterwards kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so after this final boss battle, uh, basically, like, I don't know if it was an explosion. Some event happens where Sora and Riku get locked behind the door of darkness. This mm-hmm. is basically, like... I don't know how it gets created. It's something to do with Kingdom Hearts, but it's like yeah. the void, basically. Like, when you were yeah. banished from existence, you were here with no nobody, no Heartless to your name. And then they get a message from Kyrie of all people, a message in a bottle, washes up on shore, and it has the door to light, which somehow Kyrie's ah. got access to. And yeah. the the game ends with everyone reunited in Destiny Island, Again, with incredible graphics, big happy yeah. ending, Sora, Riku, Kairi, all grown up, and that's it. That's the end of Kingdom Hearts 2. Yeah, it's a, an extremely abridged version of the events, <laughs> but extremely abridged in the sense of, like, it's obviously, like, we're going on about how complicated this plot is, and, like, we, we did the best we could, you know? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. I didn't yeah, even want to try with the names between, like, Marluxia and yeah, Zigbar and Zemna. I'm like... I'm going to get him. So many of the spinoffs are like deep dives into like the Organization 13 characters and like who they were before they were nobodies and shit. And it's honestly like really, really kind of cool for lack of a better way of saying it. Because like, do you remember in Kingdom Hearts 3, there's a flashback and like they kind of reveal that like half of Organization 13 were people who worked as like Ansem's lab assistants and stuff like that. Like Kingdom Hearts 3 sucks, but they do a good job like kind of well, I don't know if it's a good job, but they definitely flesh out the story more. So, like, for lore people like me, it's, like, kind of sick. But, yeah, regardless, it was... Organization 13 is kind of cool. They're, as I said off the top, they're misunderstood. 
<laughs> yeah, totally. Um, so that's basically it for the story and the characters. Uh, the only character, the only event that I wanted to bring up that we didn't go over is after the Thousand Heartless Battle. You've seen Cloud once or twice in this game, but he's not mm -hmm. really. Or was he? No, I don't think he was in the Underworld or anything. I don't think you no, have. No, he was in. He was in the Coliseum in Kingdom Hearts One. Yeah. So even in Number Two, you have far less interaction with him. But then you there's a Sephiroth battle um, that is just so crazy hard. I don't know if it's harder than the one in the first, just because there's yeah, more room to I, run around. I didn't I didn't do it in the second, but I did the first Sephiroth battle, and it was just like probably the hardest fight in video game history for me at that point. Yeah, and if you manage to beat Sephiroth in this game, you get to see an awesome uh, like cutscene battle between Cloud and Sephiroth that they just threw in there for FF7 diehards. <laughs> Yeah, and isn't Aerith involved in it as well, or am I misremembering? I, I don't remember. I'm not yeah. sure. I think I she might be, be, yeah. I could be wrong about that, but I also have, like, a weird... I don't know if it's, like, a false memory, but, like, I think that might be... I'm definitely going to go look it up on YouTube as, as soon as we finish this, but... Um, but let's move into the gameplay here, and this yeah. is... I would say this is the greatest factor in uh, what separates this game from the third game, and... Absolutely. Like, like, because if the second, let's, if you just say the storyline's a wash, and I don't think the second one is completely, I think there's a lot of good stuff here. I would go as far to say as the storyline's great. Like, I don't know if I'd go great. It's good. It's really good. <laughs> but if, if we just remove that aspect and just look at the gameplay, they, this is where 3 really fell off. Kingdom Hearts 2 is, like, a very fun game to play. Even if you don't yeah, understand a single thing going on, just playing okay. it, it's so, it's smooth, there's so much to do. Yeah, like, I, I... I think it's, like, the best action RPG ever made in terms of, like, gameplay and combat. Like, in terms of, like, a pure action RPG. Like, the leveling up system, how you can combo the buttons. Like, you know, like, you set your spells to, like, when you hold down, like, L1 or whatever. And you get to do the face buttons. Like, I think it's, like, the smoothest action RPG that's, like, to this day, like, still ever been made. Yeah, um, it's it really is something. And, like, the, all the stuff you just said, it's they sort of carried from the first... But yeah. then in the second, they added drive modes, which sort of drive, completely yeah. reinvented the game. And yeah. you you could basically, like, you would unlock these as you go, but it would take up one of your characters. So if you use the Valor drive mode, Goofy would sort of disappear into your outfit, if you will. <laughs> yeah. But but then you could just go on tears, and, like, the Wisdom mode took up Donald. But basically, there were different ways to level up all these different drives at the same time. So it almost mm -hmm. felt like you could progress, like... like you were inclined to use the drive mode as much as possible just to level them up and stuff. And it added, like, a yeah. whole other layer to the combat that I just love. Totally. And, like, they, they really upgraded, like, the combo system as well. Like, if you remember, you, like, you, you'd up, you'd uh, unlock sort of, like, moves that you could chain together. And, like, depending on your play style, that you could, like, change them up and whatnot. So, like, you had moves that would, like, launch. For example, like, I remember there was this, like, sliding move that would, like, launch whoever you're targeting up into the air. So you could do air combos from it and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And, like, so, like, you could base your entire build of Sora around that. And it was just so in-depth and, like, just the movement and the play was so smooth. Like, I, can't, I cannot speak how highly I think of Kingdom Hearts 2's battle system. Like, it's genuinely, like... Like, to this day, like, it's it's fucking 2022, and I haven't played an action RPG that moves as smoothly as Kingdom Hearts 2 from 2006. Yeah, man. Well, and it's funny because they add some strategy to that, too, because if you want, you can chain together combos nearly endlessly. They'll go on forever. But then oh, yeah. there's boss battles where they there's the boss battles can only be finished with finishing off a combo. 
So if someone has just a sliver of health and you're just hitting them in the middle of this combo, it won't finish. So you need to have some big finishing move. So you're yeah. almost like, it's almost a sacrifice you got to make. Like if you want the endless combos, it's a bitch to finish off bosses. I've been yeah, killed exactly. in that moment so many times where he's just <laughs> got like a hit left. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it, it's, it, it, it's fucking awesome. And like I, the other thing that I think also adds to how good uh, Kingdom Hearts 2 is, is that like I think every world has like a... Uh, I got a company in character that subs out either Donald or Goofy, so you can play with that. But I also think they made the AI smarter as well for your companions, uh, which is good because there's nothing worse than shitty AI for when you're playing an RPG and like your party members are just like the dumbest people on the planet kind of thing. Oh, no kidding. Um, but yeah, and like, and it's just all, it's just so sick. All of it is just like, like, like I said off the top, it's like they, they legitimately upgraded every single aspect of this game from Kingdom Hearts 1. Um, and yeah. Kingdom Hearts 1 I thought was already great. So like they just made it so much better. Well, that and that includes the summons. I, I remember in Kingdom Hearts oh, yeah. 1, I, I don't think I'd ever used a summon. It just like yeah. didn't feel like much point to it. In Kingdom Hearts 2, much like the drive forms, you're actually leveling them up. The more the more enemies I kill, I think, they get experience. Yeah. So you're you're way more inclined or no, sorry, it's the amount of bars because like let's say you have a level four Simba or whatever. If yeah. he's level four, then he'll be around for four drive bars, they're called, or yeah, whatever. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. And then the more bars you deplete, that's how you get experience. So by the end, you can have these summons around for like half the battles that are just yeah. like jacked. And it's like you actually feel that accomplishment of leveling them up. I just remembered Chicken Little was a summon. Um, <laughs> Voiced by and... Zach Braff, by the way. In this really? game. Really? Damn. Yeah, I didn't <laughs> yeah. know that. I, I just I, I just remember that because like I remember that movie was like coming out and that was so clearly like uh, hey you know a bit of marketing sort of thing. <laughs> yeah I was also gonna I, say reaction commands got added in this game uh, for better or worse uh, as far as this pressing triangle mid battle for like yeah, yeah right I, I remember those yeah yeah that that system is what abused Kingdom Hearts three though totally and I, I was gonna say it's almost too easy because it's just yeah. a big you just need to see a flash of green on the screen you mash triangle and good things happen. Yeah, but yeah. as far as like in this in this game it was not over the top like it would become and it just made for cooler battles i thought i agree like they, they balance it well in kingdom hearts 2 kingdom hearts 3 was literally just tap square until you have to tap triangle which is like not mm -hmm. fun but yeah and like so that, that that was brought in uh but like like i said kingdom hearts 2 like genuinely the best battle system of any action rpg that i and i, I just played like you know, like, one of the games I played in 2021 was Tales of Arise, which is, like, a really triple-A action RPG. And it was fun. It was great. But it's, like, it's no Kingdom Hearts 2, you know? Yeah, even the FF7 remake, I, I don't think I had as much fun as this one. I, I really liked it. I think I think FF7 remake has been the best action RPG battle system since Kingdom Hearts 2. But, it, but that's because it's, like, kind of partially turn-based. It's, like, you kind of have to... The best way I can describe the FF7 remake battle system is that I didn't get it at first, but as soon as I got it, it like really clicked with me and it was quite fun. But it's just not as intuitive as um, how seamless uh, Kingdom Hearts 2's is. Yeah, totally. Uh, and the only other thing, I'm just thinking of gameplay stuff I might have missed. Uh, the money, I find it money doesn't really matter because the only things that are sort of important in this game are like the weapons your characters get. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. most of the weapons, especially every Keyblade you get from just progressing in the game. Yeah. So m most games you'll have just a shitload of money and not much to spend them on. Really, so yeah. it's just I mean that's sort just of a, a thing. classic JRPG problem, you know. But anyway. <laughs> yeah, 
Completely. Uh, but as the ability points I like, because it's not... A lot of games will just give you so many ability points that it's like, well, I'll just turn every ability on, because that yeah. would help me. But like I said earlier, coupled with the fact that you might want combos to end shorter, and yeah. then the the amount it gives you, you really have to make like careful decisions on what kind of build you want, and that, that'll make different run-throughs. Totally, and, and that's that adds to the replayability as well. Like It's like just the amount of ability points that are able to be spent on like how you want to set up your combos and whatnot it like completely changes the game if you want it to want that replayability oh the other was well, sorry the drive mode i was going to tell you the such a motherfucker in this game is you can go into anti sora or whatever it's called yeah like and, the, the essentially heartless sora i believe yeah and it'll just happen randomly i think it's one every other like 10 times or 20 times yeah. uh, or it goes up and down and it's just so tough because there's no way to heal and yeah. you can just rack up crazy damage sometimes depending on the enemy but a lot of the time it would just be like a death sentence especially in the middle of a boss battle yeah and like like that was that was built in as a mechanic so it would like scare people off of abusing just like going into like the master form all the time i believe right that makes sense it, like like it was just it was like like I, there, there's like a there's like a storyline purpose for why they did it but I, yeah, it was like he couldn't. There was like an untapped form or something like that. So, uh, but basically, like the storyline reason was that uh, Sora, if Sora kept on going into his master form, it might backfire sometimes. But like clearly, from a game developer standpoint, the master form was really broken. So like they wanted to like add a bit of risk into it. So yeah, I, it, like it is that. unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, let's move on then to the music and the graphics. Um, yeah, I'd, we'd covered it already, but the cutscenes were like the best thing I'd ever seen in gaming at this point. I would say the rest of the game is just probably par for the course. Like, yeah, it looks great. Like, it, it looks like a mm -hmm. really good high budget PS2 game, which is exactly what it was. You know, like it like wasn't reinventing the wheel in terms of like presentation, but it also had that kind of Disney flair to it. But like, it, they also stepped it up when they needed to. Like in the Pirates of the Caribbean world, they had like a bit more realism because it's like theoretically taking place in like you know, real earth kind of thing. Well, and I would, I guess this doesn't fall into graphic, it's sort of in between gameplay and graphics, but not only do the worlds look really cool, but they're also laid out really well. Like yeah. there's very, there's very few like circular levels or like, like Tarzan is a great example of a level with like lots of areas, but nothing to do in them. And I find it easy to get lost and shit like that. Totally. totally. Whereas like in, in the Mulan level, it's like every area has a point to be there storyline wise. They're all very mm -hmm. different looking. It's it's cool. Same with like the Nightmare Before Christmas one. All these levels are like fleshed out way better, I think. Completely, completely. They they really it really makes you feel like you've entered a Disney movie, which is like yeah. kind of exactly what they wanted to go for, I would imagine. And then the music again, much like the first, if it's not a classic like Disney banger, it's a banger that they created for this game. Yeah, uh, exactly. This, it's like this soundtrack has the benefit of not only drawing from the Disney nostalgia, but drawing off their own nostalgia they created from the first game. It's like, yeah. there's characters you're excited to see. Like, I was as excited to see Aerith as I was to see, like, Aladdin or whatever, you know? Yeah, and it's also, like, like going back to the sound. And this happened to me in Kingdom Hearts 3 as well, and I know it happens in Kingdom Hearts 2, but, like, they do, like, the slow piano riff from Simple and Clean in, like, really emotional moments. And mm -hmm. it's just like, fuck, this is perfect. Like it's, like, yeah, it's... it's like the overarching Kingdom Hearts theme these days. No kidding. Uh, yeah. well, and they, they really broke the bank as far as voice actors. We talked about the original Disney ones reprising their roles. But also, yeah. Jesse McCartney was Roxas. Like, Britney yeah. Snow is Naminé. 
Yeah, and like uh, Haley Joel Osment is uh, Sora, I believe. Right. Yeah, yeah. So it's just a crazy caster. I just realized we didn't even mention Nomine throughout all this. I don't think. Yeah, I mean, Nomine and Kyrie have their own, like, like it's kind of like their own little thing going on. But yeah, Nomine is like, how would you describe her? Kind of like, almost like the mastermind of it all in a weird way. But like yeah, she's like, she's the catalyst of all the events, like a lot of the events in the game. But also, it goes yeah. unspoken. She's the main she, character of Chain of Memories, sorta. Yes, yeah, she she's not Kyrie's nobody. She has a relationship to Kyrie though. Mm-hmm. Is she Kyrie's nobody? No, no. I think she nobody. is Kyrie's nobody. Oh, is she? Yeah. Oh fuck. But like Kyrie's heart is too pure or something, so she didn't become a heartless or something. Like uh, you know, one of those one of those JRPG explanations. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I did have written here. I, it's a shame they couldn't get Johnny Depp because you know how hard up he is for money these days. It would have oh, been yeah. awesome if if he just it was just Johnny Depp's voice in this game. It would dude. It'd be sick, and like he could like sell a guitar or something like that because apparently that's what he's up to these days. Yeah, <laughs> fuck man, brutal. But yeah, outside of that, uh, the voice acting was on par. It was just as good as the first they thought yeah i don't know the emotional moments were able to hit home like the fact that mickey mouse can make you feel emotional in this game is like what Dude, the, fuck? the fact that they made me like care so much about goofy dying is like it's a testament like they knew what they were doing they're just like we're gonna make the most insane situation possible and like he even like like the way like that the way that scene plays out is also like for lack of a better pun like pretty goofy like it's like a pretty, <laughs> it's like a pretty slapstick like boulder in the face thing, but they're yeah, just, he gets like, hit in the head with a rod. <laughs> yeah, so like it like, it's really masterful. They know what they were doing. There's so much like, and I think ultimately like what it boils down to is like Kingdom Hearts two. Not only is it the best sequel ever, we've talked about how great the gameplay, the sound, and the graphics are. It's like it just it just feels like there's like a lot of care put into this game, um, and like the people who made it cared about what they were doing, like. Um, it doesn't feel like there's like for lack of a better way of saying it it doesn't feel like there's any wasted motion other than maybe the gummy ships but like i think that was just there and the little mermaid level but like i think that was just their like idea of a palate cleanser like i I don't think that's in there just because they were like fuck we need to get something in there i think they genuinely wanted to be like let's do something different Um, yeah well and a lot of games will get criticized for just being rushed and not having enough this game did not feel like like rushed at all it felt like they they put in a lot of side stuff yeah, exactly. It it almost feels like I'm I don't know this happened. I'm sure it didn't actually, but it almost feels like they got to the end of the game and they were like, "Ah, oh, this could actually be 20 hours longer and we have a bit of time. Why don't yeah, we add yeah. like a second level to every world?" <laughs> like Yeah, exactly. And could you imagine if they were like like the intro part with Roxas was like decided after the fact they're like you know what we should have a three-hour intro with a different character <laughs> yeah it wouldn't shock me at all i mean this game like kingdom hearts one was such a huge success and the hype on this was crazy so um but that brings us into the final section of this game we actually coined the name on the last episode the legacy factor where this game stands in gaming history i personally put it at the peak of the series i mean i don't think anything comes close yeah i i think it's easily the peak of the kingdom hearts series i think i, I think this lives in the weird world where it's like like you know we're both in our 30s and stuff like that so like we're kind of like you know respectfully out of touch with what gen z is up to but it's like (laughs) yeah i i I don't i don't really know what the actual impacting legacy on kingdom hearts is because like obviously three shat the bed but like it's like it's a franchise that's still going strong and honestly with the inclusion of sora and smash bros now like it's like 
you know, the Kingdom Hearts franchise is going to be here for a while. It, to your point, though, that's interesting because, like, we we got into it so hard because we had the entry point of Disney addicts and, like, JRPG addicts. Yeah. Uh, and the nostalgia was, like, the first game was going to hit. Even if it sucked, I was going to play it. But yeah, if you totally. if you grew up without that same shit instilled into you, and like Kingdom Hearts three is a great example. There's levels in that game that I never saw the Disney movie, like Frozen, and I had yeah, yeah. zero connection to those. So I'm like, and is that, that just how terrible. kids? Yeah, I mean they all were, but yeah, <laughs> is, is that just how kids feel today? It's like when they see this now, are they like, what is this shit? Like, or, yeah. or do you think there could be resonation? I think there's probably like I think there will be Disney diehards like for the rest of time. But in terms mm-hmm. of, like, like, I think Kingdom Hearts 3 is getting to a point where it's, like, if someone, if that was someone's first Kingdom Hearts game, like, bless their fucking soul, you know? Like, like <laughs> yeah. it's like you're walking into, like, not only a tire fire in terms of, like, the game just sucking, but, like, you're walking into just, like, the hardest storyline potentially like i i've played kingdom hearts one and two and like i watched all the recap videos i had no idea what the fuck was going on in three like body doubles like what are we talking about (laughs) but like but like it's so like i don't know the legacy is going to be interesting like it like i think i hope there's a kingdom hearts four i say that begrudgingly after kingdom hearts three actually like have you watched like spoilers they they are teasing more stuff like there's like a like kingdom hearts three wraps like the 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 big story but like there's kind of like a a post-game cutscene because mm. well i was i i was actually gonna pitch to you at the end of this that i i think because you can buy this game for like five pounds now it's like in the bargain bin kingdom hearts 3 i mean yeah so it's i'm willing to go well. i am willing to put myself through the torture if we can record a review on it and it'll we'll call it like the game of nobody's life or something yeah and I, just, I, i'm i'm more than down to do a kingdom hearts 3 kingdom hearts 3 cap wrap a bow on this because i feel like we've got the two first editions in the thing and you are getting our real life like uh what we were feeling in the moment and how we feel about it now this game is an all-timer i saw i do take away points for the story yeah it's obviously not without its flaws but i still think it's one of the greatest of all time personally yeah totally well and we can leave it there mike uh thanks again for joining the podcast is there anything you want to plug before we get out of here uh, I mean, just the usuals. I have my own gaming podcast at Where the Big Boys Game, or at Where the Big Boys Game. That's the Instagram handle. It's called Where the Big Boys Game. Uh, we just released an interview um, with uh, Daniel Mullins, the creator of Inscription. Uh, oh, yeah. Which was really, really sick. He's a really great dude. Um, other than that, I played a band called Hotel Mira. Uh, you can find us on Spotify. Our, our album just like hit like 6.5 million spins or something like that. So I'm just kind of on cruise control. But yeah, follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Bike Melon. Uh, that's basically it. Nothing, nothing to report. <laughs> Beautiful. Well, as always, I am Jordan Ducharme at Funny Jordan D on Instagram at Goil Pod on Twitter. Tell us what you thought of Kingdom Hearts 2. Did you enjoy the story the first time you saw it? We'd love to hear it. Uh, if you like the pod, tell all your friends. Listen to what Mike's doing because uh, it's also a video game pod. And we'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening. Bye.